News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. Thanks so much for hanging out. Appreciate it. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Remember, get the podcast at WBT.com. You can also follow along on Twitter as well as Getter. Um, yeah, I'm usually on Twitter during the program. So uh, if you want to, it's it's like a text line, if you will. I use it as a text line. I use it as my wire service for show prep. I use it, uh, you know, to to troll people. Okay, well, all right, yes, I do sometimes engage in some trolling activity, but they deserve it, people. Okay, I don't, I usually let that stuff go, but every now and again, somebody requires it. <laughs> and you know me, I'm a giver. I will happily abide. Um, so Ned Barnett, the associate opinion editor at the McClatchy Papers, I believe he's out of the Raleigh Bureau, he has a piece about uh, all those mean, awful Republicans that are trying to destroy the democracy by attacking Anita Earls as just, you know, galactically conflicted here on the case that she's going to preside over. And uh, I guess he doesn't he doesn't think she is. I'm not sure, but he's really, really upset at the Republicans for their uh, media campaign that they have been waging called Impartial Anita. Now, I understand being angry with the Republicans over this campaign. I mean, it should have been called Impartial Earls. It just it sounds way better just from a, you know, from a marketing standpoint. But Impartial Anita, they've been sending out these daily uh, tweets and emails and uh, blog posts about stuff that she has said about them, about Republicans who are now defendants in the case. They've been sending out connections, proof of these connections that she has with uh, Eric Holder's organization, with the attorneys that are litigating this in front of her, her work in the past on the organization or in the organization uh, that she founded that one of the lawyers was a part of as well, like all of these connections that conflict her. And uh, she's not recused herself. So he doesn't like this. Ned Barnett, now he's he's of the left. And so, of course, you know, there's never a uh, there's never a cry closet far away. But Senate Republicans are pumping out press releases, mockingly referring to impartial Anita, also known as Anita Earls, a justice on the state Supreme Court. This is, by the way, it's so funny to me when the weapons of the left are turned against them, how they loathe them. Oh, my gosh. It's like, and this is, by the way, a weapon of the left. The mockery, ridicule, Saul Alinsky tactic, one of the rules for radicals. Ridicule is one of man's most potent forms of uh, offense. And this is like, this is right out of the playbook. You mock them. You ridicule them. They really don't like it. People on the right have been mocked and ridiculed by the folks on the left in the in the realm of politics my entire adult life, all, going as far back as I can remember. It's always been part of the deal, always. Um, it was only after like a Republican either you know attacked fellow Republicans or died that they got the kind of uh, uh, you know uh, honors and tributes and homages to their statesmanship that's the only time republicans really ever get that kind of well i mean unless you're mitt romney but even that was gone like mitt romney voted to impeach 
And then they were like, we love you, Mitt Romney, after calling him a racist and all this stuff and giving women cancer, trying to, uh, you know, kill dogs, putting them on roofs of cars and giving kids haircuts and keeping binders of women and all of this. Um, which, by the way, just as an aside, have you noticed that Joe Biden, when he's got a, a file folder filled with all of these qualified women, right? He's got all these files on qualified women like that's that's awesome. That's a sign that he's a progressive. But when Mitt Romney has a three-ring binder, right, when he has a binder full of qualified women that he wants to appoint to positions of power in his cabinet and in the executive branch, like, that's that's worthy of ridicule and mockery. That's what the election becomes about. He wants to kill Big Bird. He keeps binders of women. Well, it's like people who don't know that a coyote is the person that uh, shepherds people across the border, illegal immigrants across the border, and then so they mock folks on the right. Oh, yeah, I don't know about these coyotes that are raping women, they say, like, because they think they're animals. I mean, they are animals, but a different sense. But they think it's like the coyote, the animal, right? No, you don't know what the word is, and so you're mocking people who are using the correct term because you're ignorant. Anyway, so this level of mockery and ridicule, it's been part of the political scene my entire life, ever since I remember ever following politics. I mean, it used to kind of be uh, the hallmark of Saturday Night Live, but now it's everywhere. And, you know, you can thank Alinsky and the Rules for Radicals for sort of mainstreaming the tactic. Uh, John Stewart as well at um, uh, The Daily Show, uh, where it's just, you know, I'm going to call you stupid. And then everybody's like, ooh. And then everybody's like, he won the debate because he called you stupid, you see. So um, Anita Earls has a conflict of several conflicts of interest on the case. She's going to hear it anyway. And so the Republicans are like impartial Anita. And they just keep on putting out press releases that Ned Barnett at the uh, at the McClatchy papers. He says that the releases attack Earls as being too compromised by her previous legal work and her support from a Democratic anti-gerrymandering group a democratic anti-gerrymandering group so a democrat party anti-gerrymandering group that is certainly one way to describe eric holder's hacktastic organization another way would be like a democrat partisan hacktastic organization right like you could call it that too because that's what it is these people don't they don't sue over gerrymanders they sue over republican redistricting maps and some of them are gerrymanders sure fine you want to call them that okay some of them are some of them are not but they darn sure don't take a position against gerrymandering when democrats do it they do not engage in litigation against democrats so no this isn't like some good government group this is a partisan organization seeking to win more seats for Democrats. I have always said this. When Democrats say they want fair maps, what they mean is maps that elect more Democrats. That's it. And here's another simple rule of thumb. When you hear people on the left talk about the democracy or our democracy, uh, you just swap out that word with Democrat. Swap it out with Democrat Party. That's what they're talking about. They're more they're not talking about the democracy because when they actually get the results of the democracy, like what do they seek to do? They act in an undemocratic fashion, right? They they 
They try to, like, they, they gerrymander people out of their seats. All over the country they do these things. So this isn't about protecting the democracy. This is also the argument, by the way, that Jonathan Turley raises uh, in the uh, complaint that's uh, targeting Madison Cawthorn. I'm going to get to that because uh, his uh, Cawthorn has now filed a response. So we'll get to that. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. So the Supreme Court of the, North, the state of North Carolina is going to be hearing the redistricting uh, oral arguments, this lawsuit and the trial. Three-judge lower court already upheld the maps as uh, legally drawn. Although they noted in their ruling, says Ned Barnett from the McClatchy Papers, he is the associate opinion editor, and he said uh, that the three judges noted the maps provide a clear advantage to Republican candidates. The ruling has been appealed to the state Supreme Court as a private attorney and head of the Durham-based Southern Coalition for Social Justice, Anita Earls represented plaintiffs who successfully challenged Republican-backed election district maps as illegally gerrymandered. Okay, so she is now on the Supreme Court hearing a case about redistricting after having started a law firm called the Southern Coalition for Social Justice that sued the state of North Carolina and the General Assembly over redistricting maps. The very same people. Um, And then there's this. Full disclosure, says Ned Barnett, my daughter was an attorney with the Southern Coalition before leaving in 2013. So Ned is conflicted and compromised on this too. Is he not? That background... Oh, sorry, hang on. I skipped a paragraph. Uh, He goes on to say, In running for the state Supreme Court as a Democrat in 2018, Earls naturally drew campaign donations from a group led by the former Obama-era Attorney General Eric Holder that seeks to end extreme gerrymandering, which is false. Eric Holder's national redistricting group they are not interested in ending extreme gerrymandering they're interested in ending republican gerrymandering they're fine with it when they do it they are as proof i give you every single state where they're doing it right now (laughs) so this is not accurate ned or mr barnett he goes on to say that this is a goal to end extreme uh gerrymandering it's a goal supported by americans of both parties yeah it's it's a funny thing when you ask people hey would you like to end this extreme thing and then you say gerrymandering which maybe i should be including the you know the theatrics that is now just so much a part of left-wing party politics now but when you, when you ask people in a poll, do you want to end the extreme fill-in-the-blank, most people are going to say yes, just for starters. Secondly, uh, gerrymandering, Democrats have done a fantastic job of tying this term to Republicans, to the, to the point where I have heard NPR fans tell me that states are gerrymandered. That's why they elect U.S. senators who are Republicans. I have heard, I have had this said to me. I have had multiple people tell me that gerrymandering is the reason that the U.S. Senate is a 50-50 split. That is not true. 
by the way. The U.S. Senate seats are all elected statewide. No gerrymandering there, no districts there. But also, in states where Democrats control the process, they pack themselves with great majorities. They've been doing it. I've talked about how they've picked up essentially six seats this time around in uh, in the House of Representatives. Now, maybe Republicans are able to claw some of them back, but I don't know. We shall see when these states get finished and when litigation gets done, but they're not suing over Democrat-drawn maps. In fact, Mark Elias, who keeps suing every Republican state because he's a Democrat, um, he he keeps running around, uh, you know, targeting these Republican states, but then joins up with the Democrats in defense of their gerrymandered maps up in Maryland. So again, don't tell me that this is a principle that they hold. Um Holder's group, Eric Holder's group, the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, is backing a plaintiff challenging the maps. Right, in this case. So you got Eric Holder's group funding one of the plaintiffs in the case. Eric Holder's group also funded Anita Earle's campaign. So you're going to tell me that doesn't create a conflict of interest. He says, that background is too much for state Senate Republicans. I mean, could you imagine? Could you just imagine? If this were the Koch brothers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I do need to play this. All right, because it's the Koch brothers. Okay. Um, Senator Amy Gailey from Alamance County, Republican, gasped in one press release that allowing Earls to rule on an area of the law about which she may be the court's top student is a dire prospect. You notice how Ned cleans that up, casts it in the best possible frame for her? No, Ned, the problem is the money. The problem is the fact that she has animus towards one of the uh, uh, parties in the case, the defendants, because she has sued them. And she has said really bad things about them on social media. Um, Amy Gailey, state senator, said buying judgeships so partisan activists can use the power of the court to get desired political outcomes destroys the legitimacy of the judiciary. And so the Republicans say that she should recuse herself. That would reduce the Democrats' 4-3 court majority to a 3-3 split, and if the justices voted according to their party, a 3-3 tie would allow the lower court ruling to stand, and the GOP gets a lopsided majority for the rest of the decade. Counting the votes will be a mere formality. That, of course, is not true. That's not true. If that was true, then Democrats never would have lost the majority themselves in 2010. They drew maps to benefit themselves. Candidates matter, campaigns matter, demographics shift, people move in and out of areas. This is the, this is the thing like the Electoral College stuff, too. They're like, well, you know, if the popular vote were choosing the president... Yeah, let me just stop you right there. It doesn't, okay? It doesn't. The popular vote does not determine who the president is. The Electoral College does. That's our system. You should play by the rules that the system already has enacted and if you want to win under those system rules then you know you should maybe adjust your strategy accordingly news talk 1110 and 99.3 wbt ned barnett writing at the mcclatchy papers the uh, charlotte observer and the raleigh news and observer and i think there's one at winston salem journal i want to say i always forget the third i apologize i'm not trying to dismiss their importance or minimize them um very upset at the Republican attacks on a sitting North Carolina Supreme Court judge. 
I mean, don't you know that when she won that election, now she became uncriticizable, right? Once the lawyers put on the robes, you cannot criticize them. Not allowed to. He says... The attacks on her are not coming from the Republican Party state headquarters. No, no. They're coming from the leadership of the legislature. One branch of government is trying to undermine public confidence in another branch. You mean like Democrat judges do against the North Carolina General Assembly when they label them usurper legislatures like that? That sort of thing? No, no. You celebrated those actions. You celebrate that when when Democrat judges behave this way. He says it's not a political shot at a member of the court. It's not just a political shot. It's attacking something fundamental to democracy. Remember what I said? If you're going to say the word, if you hear that word, democracy, swap it out and put in Democrat Party. Because that's what they're talking about. It's attacking something fundamental to the Democrat Party. The public's faith in the legitimacy of the judiciary. See, it's like the it's like a, uh, the invasion of the body snatchers, right? You've got this judiciary. It's got pretty good uh, ratings, right? People are okay with it. There's still trust in the judicial branch, and now Democrats not able to get what they want through the legislative branch, and then they try to do stuff with the executive branch. But in North Carolina, that's very difficult because the governor is a it's a weak governor system in our state. So. Uh, you know, you, you're you're left with very few options, right? You got to go where the power is, and if you can just rewrite law with a you know a lawyer in a robe, then do that. And so they're using the legitimacy and the public's faith in the courts to advance agenda items that they can't otherwise advance in this state. Remember, I always got to remind people: the Democratic Party held power in North Carolina for a century and a half almost. They lost that power in 2010. And then they uh, got relegated to a uh, like a super minority, right? Like the Republican Party had a super majority. And for essentially two years, I want to say, right, during the uh, part of Pat McCrory's term, like two years, they rammed through a whole bunch of stuff that they could not otherwise get through. But all the rest of the time... You know, they've had to fight with Democrat governors, um, but that supermajority was very short-lived, and that's what they want to have back again, obviously, because Governor Cooper, a Democrat, can veto all of their stuff. So they have not been handling it very well. <laughs> uh, Democrats being uh, kicked out of power, they're not used to it. Very much like the Republicans were not used to being in the majority when they first took over. A lot of the stuff that they were doing was kind of mimicking the way Democrats operated, you know, the, the, the I mean, some of the, some of the stuff was mundane, you know, like the rules and how the, the building operated, that kind of stuff. Some of that stuff, which is like, yeah, we're going to continue that. Cause like, we don't know what we're doing on some of this, but now that they've been there for a while, you know, 2011, they've been there, uh, for over a decade, they've been in the majority status. So yeah, now they're, now they're better able to govern as a majority party. So, um, this is, this is what is offensive to people of the left who have had the free reign in state government for over a century. This is the problem is that now Republicans are kind of mastering and have been for the last few years. They're mastering, uh, the mechanisms. So, 
Um, I would point out also the last thing here on Barnett's piece uh, at The Observer, that he calls out uh, the Republicans for calling out earls, right? That's what he's doing. He's criticizing the Republicans because they're criticizing a sitting judge. But I, and I guess in his mind, calling out a conflicted judge or a corrupt judge even, if you call them out, that then that's the threat to the democracy. Not the conflicted judge, but the elected body that is calling out the conflicted judge. That is, that is an interesting standard. No doubt about it. Now, I got to give credit where it is due. Because it so rarely happens. Not that I give credit where it's due, but that WRAL's uh, PolitiFact guy uh, fact-checked a Democratic lawmaker. Deb Butler. Do you remember Deb Butler? Yeah, she rose to prominence for about half a second when she screamed at Tim Moore, the Speaker of the House, I will not yield, Mr. Speaker! Remember that? On the budget veto override? For folks who aren't uh, familiar, the uh, Republicans passed a budget, Cooper vetoed it, and then both of the chambers said, look, we are going to put this on the calendar every single day to override the veto. So you Democrats better show up every single day because we are going to vote to override the governor's veto at the first chance we get. Meaning if you don't show up and you don't have the numbers to block our veto override, we're going to do that. And Democrats dutifully showed up until they didn't. One day in September, contrary to the blue and on folks that spread this lie, the Democrats were not at a 9-11 memorial service. That's not where they were. According to Deb Butler, in in her exaggerative theatrical performance, screaming bloody murder from the floor of the house where a sergeant at arms tried to get her to stop and... She refused. She would not yield the floor. I will not yield. And just screaming and screaming. And oh, it went so viral. And oh, the left loved the performative nature of her hysterics. But had she just walked out, had Democrats just walked out of the chambers, it would have stopped the vote. But again, they didn't really know that, not being accustomed to being a minority party. (laughs) in the legislature, I guess. I don't know. They didn't walk out. They didn't know the rules. And so they just kept standing there and standing there and yelling and screaming and throwing a tantrum and yelling and screaming, having their mics cut off and then running to another mic and just making, just beclowning themselves. Uh, And had they just walked out, it would have actually stopped because they would not have had enough people present for the vote to occur. But they screamed and yelled and then the vote occurred and it overrode the governor's veto. It did not implement the budget, though, because it never unfolded in a um, advantageous way like that over in the Senate. So it never passed the Senate. But that Deb Butler. So Deb Butler tweeted out some, hmm, what did WRAO uh, call them? Mostly false statements. Yeah, lies is what I would call them. Tweeted out a bit of a lie about the whole redistricting Court of Appeals deal. We'll get to that up next. Pete Callender here. Thanks so much for everybody listening and uh, participating over on uh, Getter. I see you guys. I'm slowly building up the follower base on Getter again, G-E-T-T-R, um, as well as on Twitter. And uh, at some point I might, you know, it just depends. Like, I, the big tech stuff has got me concerned, and so it's just a matter of, like, when do you just pull the plug when you're ready to make the jump, make that move, you know? So, I don't know, I just, I was 
accepting friend requests. I follow back. So uh, I was just accepting all of that stuff. Although I'm, I think I'm hitting my limit on the Facebook, which is fine. Then I'm just going to stop. Um, so Deb Butler, state senator, Deb Butler of New... I think I, I, ooh, I, think I called her a state representative. I apologize. She's not in the House. She's in the Senate. Um, so she... No, W-R-A-L. Um, no, she is a yeah, she's a state representative. Yeah, so they've mis they've misidentified her. The fact checker. I'm literally just reading this. State Senator Deb Butler of New Hanover County serves as the Democratic House Whip. How does a state senator serve as the House Whip? That would be a House position. Anyway, she said in a tweet on January 12th, quote. So the North Carolina appeals court said, and I paraphrase, yeah, it is despicable. The maps are skewed. Citizens will be deprived of their vote. We agree with the experts. Democracy hangs in the balance, yada, yada. But you know, we're partisan hacks, so we're going to live with it. Now, this may shock you to find out, but of course, the Court of Appeals said no such thing. In fact, it wasn't even the Court of Appeals. (laughs) So is it an accurate description of what happened in the court? Not exactly, says Paul Specht at WRAL. By the way, um, well, I'll get to that in a minute. So first off, the court. It was not the Court of Appeals. It was the, it, There were three Superior Court judges. It was a panel of Wake County Superior Court judges. Two Republicans, one Democrat. Okay. Butler said that the judges are, quote, partisan hacks. The opinion of whether they are hacks is not suited for the fact checker at Truthometer. <laughs> so him, <laughs> he he can't say that. He's not going to weigh in on whether or not the judges are hacks. But we can clarify some things about judges' political affiliations and the manner of the court. Judges in North Carolina are elected. Each judicial candidate's political party affiliation is listed on the ballot when they run for office. The races were nonpartisan from 04 until about five years ago. So about 10 years, that's what we're talking about. There, You, you got... Before 2004, we saw all of the judges' partisan affiliations, their party ID. They were on the ballots. And then for about 10 years, we didn't. And then we do again. Now we do again. And Democrats want me to believe that this is the threat to the democracy. This is the end of our democracy because we now know the party ID of the judges that we vote upon. And that's not, it's just not true. They conflate party ID, the party label, with politicization of the courts, which are two different things, right? You can be uh, uh, masked at uh, at the ballot box so nobody knows if you're a D or an R and still act in a highly partisan way and still still act as a politicized judge. You can still do that. They're they're separate. Okay. Um, So the fact that you've got these party IDs on the ballot now, in her email to PolitiFact NC, Butler said her use of the word partisan referred to that change in the law and how judges now carry political party labels. And to that I say, that's a lie. That's crap. That's garbage. That is not what you meant. You called them partisan hacks. You also called them Court of Appeals judges, which they are not. 
They're just Superior Court judges from Wake County. You're ignorant about who these people are. There were two Republicans and one Democrat. Was the Democrat acting as a partisan hack, too? They don't notice that Paul Specht at the WRAL PolitiFact, he spares Deb Butler the question of, of why did you call them hacks? Please explain to me why they are hacks. That's not anywhere in here. So he says, because he says, like, this is beyond the scope of what I can accurately measure as the truthometer person. I can't possibly determine whether they are hacks or not. You could, but you don't want to, because all evidence suggests that they are not. In fact, Wes Tripp, who's a lefty lawyer, very online on Twitter, uh, he actually defended one of the judges, the one who ran the proceedings, Judge Graham Shirley defended him and said, look, I've appeared before Shirley, and he's a he's a solid judge. So maybe that was sort of the signaling that occurred uh, in the legal community in Wake County that uh, opened the door for the fact check of uh, one of their uh, one of these uh, uh, Democrat representatives, or maybe uh, Butler embarrassed them with the tweet. I don't know. I don't know. But he spares her the uh, embarrassment of having to defend and explain the use of the word hack. And then he gives her the escape hatch of partisan, referring to the change in the law and how judges now carry political party labels. That's garbage. That's like Peter Strzok saying, uh, oh, and I said we would stop him from being president. I meant we the people at the ballot box. That's what I meant. When I was talking to one single person in a chat, though, without it, by the way, we were having an affair. Like, you want me to believe that that's what you were talking about? No, you weren't. Just the lies. The lies. Quote, regrettably, this is what Deb Butler, who will not yield, Deb Butler said, the NC Republican majority passed legislation restoring partisan labels on members, members of the judiciary, and to me this decision reflects their re-election fears rather than a fair, just, and impartial review. That, of course, is also not true. The reason Democrats didn't want party labels for the judge races is because they don't do as well. Yeah, they don't. I mean, oh, in a city like Charlotte, they'll be fine. Cities like Raleigh and Asheville, right? Durham, yes. The Democrat judges will be fine. They will win re-election, no doubt. But statewide? No, it's kind of funny. There There are a lot of people that prefer Republicans at the statewide judicial race level. It's true. So when you put the party labels on them, people tend to vote Republican. They put a lot of Republicans on the state Supreme Court over the years, even even when the the Democrats controlled the legislative branch and the executive branch, with like two exceptions over a century, um, Republicans were able to get judges elected until the Democrats took the party labels off the ballot. And then, of course, they ran slates under the fair judges for NC banners. Yeah, they, they made up these organizations, fair judges, who endorse Democrat judges for all these races. And then you got the power of the legal community to all get behind certain judges. Because that's that I mean that's the game. Everybody realizes that, right? Like the judges are lawyers from the local area that run for judgeships and they require judges or uh, lawyers to back them and to donate money and to support their campaigns and all that stuff. Right. So if you, you know, you you know who's who in the legal community. But 
if you got voters that are out there and they don't know who the judges are and you can't get in to see some of these cases be adjudicated because maybe they're closed like a family court or something like that, you can't see some of the cases, how do you know who's a good judge? Well, the D and the R next to their name, that might give you what's called a heuristic. You get an idea. So that's why Democrats didn't want the D's and the R's on the ballots. Republicans took control of the General Assembly and they put them back on the ballot. But we're supposed to believe that when she called them partisan hacks, that's what she was talking about.